1: Blue wire. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Shall we? Counting down three, two, one. Hello, hello. Welcome into unsalvageables. A little bit of bad news, and that is that uh, Sarah is still down for the count. She was downgraded to unavailable today. But you know what? This is the playoffs, and we persevere. So you know what? I'm rolling solo. next man up. this is this is how we do. We have so much to talk about. We've got two games to recap. We've got a game Greg Greg.
1: You're not alone. You're not we're not doing this alone. I'm here. I'm on the mend. If we're doing a regular episode together.
2: you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna take the spotlight away from me.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to <laughs> Unsalvageable. A Utah Jazz podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network with me, Sarah Todd, Utah Jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News. And as always, even if he wants to be here alone, Greg Foster. Greg, I've missed you.
2: I've missed you too. I'm glad to see your face on a Zoom camera. One of these days we're actually going to get together and record live. I, I recorded live for the first time with my boys on the other podcast that I do. And it was such a wonderful experience. You know, it's like the next next evolution now that we're all vaxxed.
1: Yeah, I was uh, very happy. I mean, I've been double vaxxed and waxed for a while now. <laughs> and, uh, but I, you know, once you get sick these days, it's a little bit of fear. And so I went ahead and got a COVID test that came back negative. But man, going negative. into the.
2: As Dylan Brooks plus minus for the series.
1: (laughs) Uh, We, here's what's going to happen. All right. We're going to record this episode. It's going to come out. And for everyone, I just want to apologize because what we did is we missed a game four and a game five recap. We're going to go through a little bit of game five today. After this episode comes out, I'll also release some of the game four recap that we actually recorded before I got sick and was out. And the reason that I'm going to release that as a bonus is because we also talked about, we went a little bit more in depth on the passing of Mark Eaton. We also went in a little bit on sort of the the discourse that people have been having about fan issues in Utah. We talked about the racist comments that were made to Jabarant's family and the history there and just how people just need to do better. And so I think that those are both important topics and so that will be released as a bonus and I'll make sure to include timestamps in the description of that episode so that you can skip around and skip like the recap stuff if you don't want to listen to it. But today let's touch on a little bit of that game five. That game five where the Jazz just wrecked the Memphis Grizzlies.
2: You guys hear that? (laughs) Do you? I've cracked a beautiful squatters juicy IPA I am sipping this wonderful beer in celebration because the jazz did it yeah and you know what I like even more than a jazz win Sarah what's that that? I like being right yeah (laughs) yeah I love to be right it's it's quite possibly my favorite thing as Mr. Petty Hardaway Mm, yes (laughs) And if you go back and you you listen to our game one recut, me being the eternal optimist, I did say that although game one was abysmal, mm. game two, you knew you were going to get your, your superstar Donovan Mitchell back. And the Jazz were going to be just fine. Yeah. And what ended up happening? Jazz were just fine. Yeah. And they played very well. And as far as game five goes, it kind of felt like all series, you were just waiting for the jazz to really hit their stride and really just go on one of those patented runs that they had throughout the regular season. And they did it and they did it in historic fashion. That first quarter was a masterpiece. If you want to watch how basketball is supposed to be played go back and watch that first quarter of game 5. Jasper driving, kicking, they were defending. They hit not, they were 9 of 16 from 3, 18 from 27 for the field. Donovan Mitchell was unbelievable with 14 points. Boyan had 11, Conley had 7. Royce O'Neal was hitting shots like it was just this beautiful collective effort. Like to me it kind of it was like it was like basketball socialism and the Utah Jazz owned the means of production when it came to scoring.
1: Yeah, they they took over the means of production and told that bourgeois,
2: <laughs> that Dylan very Brooks. bourgeois city of Memphis. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: I don't know how to keep this analogy going, <laughs> but I think that to your point, Jazz fans and I think even the Jazz themselves were kind of waiting to really step on the gas through that series and it was like we talked about in every recap every time that we talked about any of these games it was okay they played 36 minutes of basketball okay they played 42 minutes of basketball and then they came out and they were like we're gonna play so well that the final 36 minutes are going to be an absolute breeze. And Mm so where we had talked many, many times about the Jazz playing with their food, it was like they completely butchered, slaughtered, cooked, and ate the meal in the first quarter. And then for the rest of the time, they just sipped an aperitif.
2: Yeah, they just got to sit back and, you know, crack open a beautiful Chianti and... Or, you know, a Sauvignon Blanc, if you're into whites, <laughs> yeah. and they just got to kick their feet up and just, just enjoy the moment.
1: Yeah. And one of the downsides is that we saw Mike Conley go out the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that he felt a little bit of pull at the end of the first quarter in his hamstring. Second quarter, he tried to go in and play through it a little bit responsibly, as the veteran that he is, as soon as he felt a little bit of a pull in the first quarter, he let the training staff know. They took a look at him and they were like, how do you feel? He said, I'm going to play, I'm going to try to play through it. And then he said, it's not getting any better. And so they looked at the game. They saw what it was like. They felt comfortable with where they were at. They saw rest on the horizon. I think that that's all very smart. It, It is though concerning, I guess, to the extent that hamstrings are a continually fickle Injury mm-hmm. that you can't really predict how it's going to work out, evidenced by the fact that Mike Conley has been extremely cautious all year, and right. then this happens.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, hats off to both Conley and the training staff of like knowing when to fold them. Right. And I have a I have a feeling that like if the game were tight and the scenario was different, he probably was able to push and you know, and if you you heard all the sound bites after game five of him saying that you know it was tight but it wasn't cause for a whole ton of concern right that has me a little bit more optimistic you know he wasn't coming out and saying yeah i was really hurting nor when he was playing did it look like you know there wasn't any sort of like noticeable limp or or anything that would make him you know look hamstrung no right unintended but um
1: pun super intended
2: yes (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely raises a bit of uh, of concern. You know, I'm not really ready to go DEFCON 5 yet.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people were worried when they heard that he was going to have an MRI. Uh, that is incredibly standard protocol. Anytime yes. an athlete, yeah. I mean, they pull or minorly sprain anything. They're getting an MRI. I mean, the amount of times that Donovan Mitchell has probably had an MRI over the course of during his ankle recovery is probably a lot. I know that normal people don't have MRIs often, but athletes do. So the fact that he was even having an MRI was not cause for concern for me. And then because it was reported, he was going to have the MRI meant that the jazz were pretty much required to report the results and the results were he has a mild hamstring strain That's kind of what we all knew already. That was already the situation. The the biggest piece of optimism is exactly how you said Mike Conley himself was like, this did not hurt nearly as much as it did the last time that I pulled it before he had to miss those nine games before at the tail end of the season. So concerning because it's a hamstring, not as concerning as far as the intensity of the the injury.
2: Right. And also like my anxiety would be a lot higher if, you know, say the jazz were still in this series or if they were playing tomorrow, say if the Mavs would have beaten the Clippers last night, like he's getting, he's getting a few extra days of rest. I'm sure he's, you know, he's doing treatment and doing what he can to get himself right. I'm sure it's going to be a wait and find out kind of situation, but my blood pressure isn't, isn't spiking. Like it would, if, you know, they yeah. an announcement that it was uh, a severe hamstring strain and he's out.
1: Yeah. And I'll also say that when a player is injured during the course of a game and then ruled out for the rest of the game, they're then not required to speak with the media afterwards. That's totally left up to their decision. And mm-hmm. so then when we requested Mike after the game, it was like a, we'll ask him and see if he wants to talk to the media. And if it was a serious injury, I doubt very much he would have talked to us. And so that's, I usually take, I put a lot of weight in that decision. When an, when an injured athlete chooses to speak to the media, I think that that speaks to the severity or lack of severity of the injury because he came and he knew we were going to ask about the hamstring. It's not like he didn't know that that's what we were asking about. And, And so the fact that he spoke to us afterwards and told us you know this isn't that serious just you know being precautious i think that that holds some weight
2: yeah i'm actually kind of interested to see how he does come out and play in game one regardless of who the opponent is but you know we'll know tomorrow and he'll be suiting up i'm sure and we'll be in the starting lineup on tuesday so we will we'll find out you know
1: i was thinking a lot about you know the medical staff and how you know they didn't feel comfortable playing Donovan in that game one of that Memphis series and they held him out and they were being cautious and i thought a lot about that when i was watching that final lakers game when, yeah that was
2: that was hard to watch honestly
1: i don't know who is in charge of anthony davis's health or what they're tra- i don't know i don't know what was going on there he was supposedly a game time decision which means that the player goes through warm-ups and then they're evaluated by coaching and training staff medical staff and it's decided whether or not they could play so there's no way he went through any kind of warm-up that was legitimate Absolutely he couldn't not. he couldn't go to possessions during the game
2: yeah it was disgusting is the word that comes to mind yeah it was- especially after what we saw the celtics do a, a couple years ago with isaiah thomas yeah. that man lost i don't even want to know how many millions of dollars and this whole idea that like you have to grit your teeth and go for it like I'm against it. Like your health is more important. And I understand that like, it's the playoffs and it's your job and everything like that. But if you're not right, you're not right. You know, there's a difference between being injured and being hurt. Anthony Davis was hurt.
1: And the audacity of the Lakers to be like, Anthony Davis is questionable to return to the game rather than ruling him out immediately. Just the whole situation made me so upset because it was like, he was wincing standing on the sideline with an ice pack around
2: his groin yeah not just yeah not just that but like man like took himself out of the game and just like collapsed on the sideline yeah that should never be a thing that happens in an NBA game
1: no and it was it was two possessions before he looked like he had zero lateral movement left like it it was It was clear to everyone watching that game that he was not okay to go and they put him in the game anyways. And I understand that Anthony Davis's voice has a lot of weight, but you can't tell me that. I mean, we saw it with Donovan Mitchell. The trainer doesn't clear you. You can't play. And that's what should have happened there.
2: Incredibly irresponsible. Yeah. It was irresponsible for Anthony Davis to even contemplate that he could play. And even more irresponsible for the training staff to clear him.
1: You know, we've, we've said a couple of times on here that Charles Barkley has, it doesn't always say great things, but you know, it was, I think it was halftime of that game. And he was like, whoever the doctor is that let him play this game needs to be talked to. And absolutely. I absolutely, I was, I heard Chuck saying that I was like, yes, thank you. And I'm it's so important. I think for a guy like Charles Barkley to be saying that on TNT on a national stage and calling yes. out that situation, because that was a bad one that could have ended horribly.
2: Yeah, it didn't horribly. It did. Yeah. And you know, I hope that Anthony Davis takes the off season and gets his body right. And I think it's also like that as a microcosm of hurrying these players back and not giving them the off season that they they normally get
1: lakers had the shortest off season in the history of the league
2: yeah and you saw the team just completely fall apart with injuries and then when you throw in COVID as well like that's there's just so many variables that added up to this equation that ended up as a disaster Yeah. So props to the jazz for, for playing it safe. You know, sometimes I get a little upset with how conservative the jazz organization is, but this is an example of when that conservatism was a smart thing to do. There was absolutely no reason to risk Mike Conley's health in a game where they were up double digits in the, in the, in the first half and they're cruising and In that game five i think one of the the big factors was just how exhausted the grizzlies were yeah they seemed like they were running on fumes at the end of game four which is a big reason why the jazz were able to overcome that run in the fourth quarter and make their push and and win that game and it just seemed like the wheels fell off in that game five They were not rotating on defense. They were not playing with that sense of urgency that they had played. They got backed up into a corner early in that game and they did not really fight their way out because I don't think they had a whole lot of fight left in them.
1: I mean, then that's a really hard position to be in. And I think that it would, it would take a team that was a lot more tested than that Grizzlies team to maybe fight out of that, because that's a situation where you're down three, one, you know, the odds are you got to win three in a row to be back in this and so once you're down you know they're down 21 in the first quarter 20 24 in the second quarter it's hard to want to fight out of that knowing that the odds are already stacked against you know that you already gave your best punches in the three games Mm -hmm. prior it's not a knock on the grizzlies that they didn't fight out of that game five
2: no and they made it they made a bit of a push in the third and fourth quarters and I just think ultimately that, and it was proven throughout the series, the Jazz were the better team and we had not seen uh, the Grizzlies take the Jazz's best shot. And that's exactly what they got in game five. And when the Jazz are playing like that, it really is, it's like trying to dig yourself out of an avalanche. You can't beat a team when they're hitting nine of 16 from deep in a, in a quarter, when they're shooting 67%. And the Jazz have proven they have that kind of offensive firepower. And they finally, like we said, they finally put it all together. And when you're, when you're up against a barrage like that, it's almost impossible to counter.
1: If you love listening to us here at Unsalvageable, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle.
2: Here's the deal. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue
1: Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all of the other listening platforms.
2: The best part is you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me or Sarah talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle.
1: Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. Again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. One of the things that I I would like to make note of is that, you know, Donovan through the first three games of the series that he played in games two, three, and four, he wasn't very efficient, but he was, he was smart. And even though he wasn't shooting the ball, great. He was getting to the free throw line. He was, he was doing a lot of very smart things to still lead this team, even in his restricted minutes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in this game five, he shot the ball amazingly. he, did everything smart. He wasn't forcing things. He was hitting step back daggers in the face of Dylan Brooks. He, he just looked so dominant and it was really nice to see him like round into form in that final game. It's such a good sign for the second round.
2: Yeah. And I think that actually hits on a topic that I wanted to address with you in that it seems to me, especially in this series, that Donovan Mitchell has taken another step. Yeah. And it's not just like, He came into the league as a bucket getter. Yes. Not always super efficient, but the man's going to get his points. That's what he does. What I'm seeing out of Donovan Mitchell is somebody who is poised, who is ready for the moment and can dictate the pace of a game. You see that with the best players in the league, with a Kawhi Leonard, with a James Harden, with a LeBron James. They dictate the pace, the tempo, and how everyone on their team plays. And that is the level that Donovan Mitchell is getting at. And we can talk about, you know, just for an example, the bubble last season. Donovan had two games where he scored 50 points. That was not the – neither one of those was – the best performance in that bubble his best performance was that game where he scored 30 and had uh I think eight seven or eight assists in game two and dictated the pace and played with that poise but that was only one game and one thing in that seven game series Donovan still had almost 30 turnovers Right. in that series against the nuggets still was a little bit erratic seemed like he was still kind of figuring out how he's going to be a playmaker and made some mistakes those mistakes were gone against the grizzlies he yeah. was decisive and again he was he was dictating everything and was playing in a way he was playing with so much confidence like he knew regardless of who the who was on him whether it was melton or bane or morant or dylan brooks or whomever they were throwing at them he had it in his head they cannot guard me and if they do i can make the right decision there's going to be boy on in the corner there's mike right there rudy's going to be rolling to the hoop and he's just he's just been dominant in that way in a way that I haven't seen from him before. And it's a very good sign for the jazz moving forward.
1: Something that has been very helpful for Donovan this second year playing with Mike Conley and how, how well Mm -hmm. the jazz were playing through this season. Mike plays in exactly that way. That sort of unselfish, calm, poised, decisive, precise way where he's never concerned about how many points he's going to get, but he just plays the right freaking way
2: he's so deliberate yes
1: and you know donovan has even mentioned like watching mike play has helped his growth and i think that this year in particular has been really important because neither of them were in and out of the lineup like the only time mike was really out was like on you know second night of back-to-backs and that was all planned Mm -hmm. and they played together so much and Donovan's able to watch him when he, you know, search dribbles off of a high pick and roll or a middle pick and roll and watch when he, you know, picks and chooses his spots or he dribbles out of traffic and resets the offense, Yeah, you know, little things where maybe before Donovan would have sent a wild or errant pass and, you know, committed one of those turnovers that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Now he's, he's more protective and more careful.
2: Yeah. There's one thing in particular that I'm seeing from Donovan, just talking about that search dribble and not forcing things. You go and watch Donovan in his first couple of seasons, when he gets by his guy and the and the defense would collapse, he would use that terrible little floater push shot. Mm. He's not doing that anymore. Right. He's either he's, he's slowing things down. He's getting that defender on his back and he's getting a foul. Right. He's or... playing
1: through contact.
2: And he's not, he's, he's not forcing things in a way that he has before, especially when he gets that first step and that, that defense collapses around him and he's making the right read, like as efficient as he was shooting the ball, what's and the 30 points that he got and the 26, he had in the first half it was, was 10 assists. Yeah, it was off. It was the 10 assists. That was exactly, he was just, he was dominant in every single facet. In that he knew that like, Hey, if I'm going to get doubled, if that's how you're going to have to stop me from getting 50, well, then I've got a litany of teammates that I can find wide open. I've got Jordan Clarkson, who's a bucket getter. I've got Boyan Bogdanovich. I've got George Niang. I've got Royce O'Neal, who was fabulous in game four and five. The Probably the two best games I have ever seen out of Royce O'Neal. all altogether offense and defense performance. He was so good. So Donovan has learned to trust his teammates.
1: Yeah. Which has
2: a- made him so much more dynamic and so much more dangerous is that he's realizing that, like, I've got a squad, man. I don't have to do this all by myself anymore.
1: And using the gravity of being that bucket getter and being someone that is so threatening, using the gravity and trusting your teammates is so
2: valuable. Mm -hmm. What I'm interested now is moving forward is you're getting a step up in competition. Can he continue to be this dominant against better teams who have better defenders and more defenders that they can throw at him?
1: Speaking of the next competition, Mm -hmm. the next series is going to be decided tonight, Sunday night, it's game seven between the Mavs and the Clippers. Do you have a preference on the matchup?
2: I do with the caveat that I think the jazz can beat either team. Yes. I was a lot higher on the Clippers going into the playoffs than I am now. Part of it is watching Luca and watching how the Mavs play and they play Similarly, I'm not going to say they're the same, but they have a similar game plan to the Utah jazz, right? And that they have their guy who dictates the, the tempo. They've got a bunch of shooters. They've got playmakers and they're able to pick, pick apart, uh, the Clippers defense. And one thing watching Luca that I've seen, Luca has exposed the two biggest warts when it comes to the Clippers, especially defensively. And that is they don't have guards who can defend and their big man play is atrocious surge being out and Zubac. Like I think Zubac's a nice player. He's not that guy. No, he's not. Especially if you look at Lucas on and off numbers when Zubac's is on the floor. Right. And he's, he's at like a record setting offensive level when he gets Zuboks in that pick and roll. And what do the jazz do better than any team in the league?
1: Right, exactly.
2: Run that pick and roll. On the other side of it, I think the Jazz simply have more weapons than the Mavericks. It's not going to be an easy series. They're a good team, Mm -hmm. and you're playing a guy. You'll you'll be playing a guy who is one of the I don't know five best players in the league right now. And Luca, so good. He's so 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 good. However, since Luca's been on the Mavericks, I believe the Mavericks have beat the Jazz once. Right. And you want to hear a fun stat last year? Yes. I went in, went back and look at this. Rudy Gobert did not miss a single shot against the Mavericks last season. <laughs> That's weird. He dominated. I think I was at that game last season where Rudy made that that incredible game-saving block against Wright. He was a point guard for Utah. I, I right. forgot who he plays for now. I, I, I don't know why his name is escaping me and my Ute fan friends are going to kill me for this, but... Whatever. I'm allowed brain farts. <laughs> um, I remember looking at my friends after that game. That was the single best game I have ever seen out of Rudy Gobert. And so one good. thing that I am really looking forward to if the Jazz play the Mavericks is Rudy Gobert taking Chris Stapp's Porzingis and shoving his head in a toilet and stuffing him in a locker for six or seven games.
1: I guess that when it comes to the choice between the Clippers and the Mavericks, the thing that worries me about the Clippers is that they, they are more switchable
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: than the Mavericks. That worries me a little bit, although not a ton. And then Kawhi. I mean, what he did in game six. And I've seen him do that stuff in person in the playoffs before. And He's unbelievable. He's a robot, man. Like
2: He's, he's a T2. He's, he's T2.
1: Yeah. He's lasered in. N- no emotion, no reaction, no anything. When he gets in that zone, he can't miss And there's no way to stop him. He's not even one of the guys where you're like, oh, we're going to try to slow him down, not stop him. It's like, no, you can't even slow him down. Don't even try. There's nothing that you can do.
2: Yeah, that worries me. But also, like, it's the second round of the playoffs and you're picking your poison. Are you going with Kawhi Leonard or are you going with Luka Doncic? I know. And you're not going to stop either one of them. Like, This is to the point where, like, homie, (laughs) you're in the Western Conference. Yeah this is as good as the Western conference has ever been top to bottom. You want parody, right? You've got parody this time. The Lakers are done. We're getting a new champion. Yeah. You're going to have to earn it. There is not going to be an easy way to the title. Now, whoever you pick, you're going to have to elevate that play. You know, I think that's the big thing going forward. Somebody should tell Paul George that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, pandemic P.
1: (laughs) Hey P if you're listening. It's yeah. the
2: playoffs. <laughs> Speaking of a, of a man who plays with no honor, I, I kind of want the Clippers just for that case, just so I can, I mean, it would make for great podcast material. It and really that's would. What, that's what I'm here for. And you know, as a father- Of many sweet boys. Of many sweet boys. There's nothing I enjoy more than spending time with my son. I want the same thing for Joe Ingalls. I want him to be able to spend some time with his son, Paul George. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful bonding opportunity for him He can you know he can show him the ropes again much like he did a few years ago and when, when paul was in oklahoma city i want that for my boy joe ingles yeah so you know what i'm putting it on the table i'm saying right now give me the clippers
1: okay i'm, I'm saying i i i like the confidence i like the reasoning i'm saying give me the mavs because
2: i it is a better matchup
1: they just don't know how to play defense it is Purely that simple. Yeah. I think if you're the Jazz do play defense and they can score more than the Mavs.
2: Yeah. I, just I do think, think it's that simple. I do think that the Mavericks are a better matchup.
1: I like that. I like it both, though. Like, do I want to watch four to seven games of Luka Doncic in person during the playoffs? He's an amazing player. You bet your you do. Do I also want to, I mean, the the content itself is worth, like you said, it's worth the Clippers matchup. Oh, yeah. It's so good. We'd be able to do some crossover episodes with my girl, Sabrina Merchant, who covers the Clippers. Be great.
2: Yeah. You know what? Give me either one because I think the Jazz can 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 win either series. I do Bring it that, on.
1: I do think that the Jazz would win either series. And I... I try to check myself every once in a while because as a reporter, it's like I can either be too critical or I can be like too sucked into the good times narrative. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm wondering if I'm sucked into it a little bit right now, but I think I'm pretty even keeled. I don't think that the the Clippers or the Mavericks are really a big threat to the jazz.
2: Yeah. As well as speaking of defense and a guy I really want to talk about because he was so good in this series. (laughs) Jazz have Rudy Gobert. They do have Rudy Gobert. He's pretty good. That guy's pretty good at basketball. He's (laughs) really, really good at basketball. Even if he's doing, you know, behind the back dribbles. And I did kind of like that little that little step back between the legs. Between
1: we... the legs. <laughs> yeah. so
2: like, okay, okay. Ru- Rudy's getting in his bag a little bit. He likes to feel a little fancy when he's feeling himself. Yeah. He still kind of sometimes dribbles like Stanley from The Office. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> he's so French. <laughs> he really is. The he's most so Parisian French. of players. He really is. <laughs> he was so, so dominant against the Grizzlies to the point where he kind of made Jonas Valanciunas a non-factor, which is crazy because I want to go on record saying that Jonas Valanciunas is a very good player. Incredibly underrated. Yeah, one of the more underrated players. Like John Hollinger wrote that article of like his all underrated team and Jonas Valanciunas was the backup center, which he should be. However, Rudy Gobert, still the most underrated player, most underappreciated player in the NBA, going on record. Do not at me. (laughs) Such a Parisian take. (laughs) But he, he was so, so good. And I think, again, he's going to be the X factor. He is the guy that neither the Mavericks nor the Clippers have that guy who can really negate Gobert. They do not have a Jokic. They do not have an Embiid. And they can plant Gobert in the paint and he will do what he does. He'll be Gandalf with his staff saying, you shall not pass. (laughs) Uh, That's a movie reference.
1: Oh, That's
2: that's Lord of the Rings.
1: Listen, I'm nerdy enough to fully (laughs) understand that one.
2: (laughs) That is a book though.
1: I've read those books and listen, have I on multiple occasions watched the nine hour marathon director's cut of those movies? More times than it's humanly necessary.
0: You're growing as a person. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply.
1: It's weird to take Valanchunas out of a series like that because it's heading into that jazz series. People were looking at what Valanchunas was able to do in the play-in games and saying like, this is who he needs to be. And, and he was being, he got like 20 and 20
2: in one of those play-in games. Against, yeah, I think it was against the Warriors. Or no, no, it was 23 it was, and 23 against the Spurs. Against a good defender in Jakob Pertl. And he was just nowhere near, because he couldn't. That's the thing. You can't. So when
1: we're talking about the Clippers, it's like you're right. Without surge, what are what are they gonna do? And even then, like that's you can't. Even if they had surge, it's like you're gonna do surge and then like Zubac, and the Clippers are just like. I mean, their bench had zero points at halftime
2: last night. Yeah, Luke Kennard has become a sixty-four million dollar Matt Thomas. When they traded for Kennard, I was like, "What is this even gonna do?" The man has played in an entire playoff series and has he's played like 10 minutes more than I have. And I've been on my couch. That's something to think
1: about too, is that they're still twiddling with their lineups.
2: That's not good news against the jazz.
1: That's not good news. And then, I mean, you know, and still talking about the Gobert matchup. If you look over at the Mavericks, (laughs) Chris, what is he doing, man? What happened?
2: He's a coward. Man's a coward. Yeah. I'm going on record right now. Christoph Porzingis is a coward. The Knicks Knicks won that trade LOL at Mark Cuban.
1: Yeah. Tim Hardaway you know Tim Hardaway Jr was the better contract.
2: Yeah. It at this point it is the Tim Hardaway Jr trade. It absolutely is. You know, as Mark Cuban, you know, he's a uh, he's a big Bitcoin guy, <laughs> really into the crypto. And you know what? Kristaps Porzingis is the Bitcoin of players. He had a nice little rise and, you know, look at him now. Just absolutely tail spinning, nose diving. I do not fear Kristaps Porzingis. I know nobody on the Jazz does. That is a dishonorable human being and a dishonorable player. And you know what? Give me the Mavericks as well because I am ready for some toilet dunking and some locker stuffing. If I was Rick
1: Carlisle, I'd be giving Dwight Powell a lot more minutes. I like that kid. He deserves to play. He deserves
2: play. And Chris Dapps looks like crap. He's scared. You can't be seven foot three and get jumped in Latvia nightclubs.
1: <laughs> oh, Chris Daps.
2: Piss Daps. <laughs> What's left? There are a couple more things I do want to talk about looking forward to round two. We've already talked about how healthy Mike is. I think that is the biggest question mark. We need the same Donovan and Rudy going into round two. They are the X factors. They are your superstars. But more so than anyone, I think the guy who is the X factor for the Utah Jazz, who was legitimately bad against the Grizzlies is Joe Ingles.
1: It was rough man.
2: it was, I don't,
1: there, there were times where like, I was, I was thinking he was playing better and he was facilitating more and he was looking to pass, but at the same token, he wasn't looking at the basket at all. When he got the ball, it was like, he, he was uninterested in being a part for a guy that shoots that well, for a guy that has been that productive on the offensive end, he can't be at a zero. And there was
2: such just such a noticeable difference when Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell were off the floor and the reins were handed over to Joe Ingles to run the offense. That's, if you go back and watch that series, that's usually when the Grizzlies were making their run. And then, you know, Quinn would get Donovan and Mike and Rudy back in the game and they would right the ship. But here's the thing, whether it's the Clippers or the Mavericks, you are playing against legitimate first ballot hall of famer, top 10 NBA players in the league. And what this series is going to come down to is can the bench and can Joe Ingles win the non luka non Kawhi minutes. Yeah. And that responsibility, a huge chunk of it lies on the shoulders of Joe Ingles and he has to play Significantly better. Like, we need a full 180 degree turn. We need the Joe Ingalls, who I was campaigning for for sixth man of the year. If you don't get that, there is a very legitimate chance that the Jazz go home.
1: It really speaks to Jordan Clarkson, Derek Favors, those like how well that they were able to play in Mm -hmm. that Grizzly series without really the guidance of Joe Ingalls, because he, he wasn't playing up to his normal potential and level. And they, you know, Jordan Clarkson had a great game five, Derek favors played great throughout that whole series. And that usually requires a lot more from Joe in order to get those guys going. Yes. And like you said, the level of competition is raised in this next round. They're not going to be able to just full steam ahead while Joe Ingalls is sitting like two miles back.
2: Yeah. Not just that, but, like, Ingles over the past, I don't know, five to six seasons has been one of your better perimeter defenders. You've got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the Clippers or Luka Doncic and Tim Hardaway Jr. or Jalen Brunson or other bucket getters. And they're not only going to need Joe Ingles to run the second unit and win those non-superstar minutes – They're going to need him to defend. And that man did not defend worth a lick against the Grizzlies. He got cooked by jaw consistently. Dylan Brooks got whatever he wanted to, to the point where they were actually starting to hunt Joe Ingles. Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson was cooking Joe Ingles. Yeah. So I'm going to give Joe the benefit of the doubt. I think he will turn it around. He's too good of a player not to, but it absolutely has to happen.
1: I am very, very much looking forward to seeing what Royce O'Neal is able to do in this mm-hmm. next round. I mean, he, like you said, he was so brilliant against the Grizzly. just the course of that series. I don't think he's ever strung together games that were that good back to back to back. So, 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 good. so good. I would love to see offensively if he can stay that aggressive while being the guy that has to defend a Luka or Kawhi.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you play if you're playing the Clippers, Royce O'Neal literally every minute he's on the floor, he's gonna be guarding a number one option. Yes. he's either gonna be on Kawhi or he's gonna be on Paul George, or he's gonna be switching on both. Yes. And he is so, so crucial. And he was so so good against the Grizzlies that he has to continue that. That's ultimately like the the theme with the jazz. Is that if the jazz continue to play like they did in game five, they're going to win the series and they'll win it decisively. Yes. But you have to maintain that level of focus and that caliber of play, which is a tough task, a very tough task because it's like, you've been to the mountaintop. You've seen what you have to do. Now. Can you stay there? How are you feeling? I'm excited.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
2: You know, it was good to get that 3-1 monkey off the Jazz's back. It was good to see them do what they needed to do. But at the same time, job's not done.
1: Yeah, job's not yeah. done. I'm very excited uh, to watch this team. I think that they they have still untapped potential mm-hmm. that they can reach. And I would really like to see them do it. I would like to see what they can really do up against some top-tier competition. I think that's Mm -hmm. what we're going to get. I'm excited to not be sick anymore. I can't wait to fully have my voice back. I'm glad that it only took me out at the tail end of a series. And now I'm back, baby.
2: We appreciate you. Absolutely unflappable.
1: You tried to start the pod without me.
2: (laughs) You appreciate me. You know what it was? F***ing liar. (laughs) You know what this is? Much like Quinn Snyder, I am a master motivator.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. And did I not just get you to have a fabulous podcast performance?
1: We did have a. I, you know what, one of my, one of my, one of my top ten.
2: Thank you for listening to episode eight. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming.
1: It <laughs> hasn't been even ten episodes.
2: But no, but you, you were, you were fabulous, Sarah Todd, known triple double notcher.
1: Hell yeah! Thank you so much for listening to Unsalvageable we will be back regularly we will be back with recap episodes after every playoff game a regular episode in your feed on wednesdays follow greg at dad sham dad follow me at nba sarah follow the show at unsalvageables rate listen review subscribe do all the things you guys know what it's about and we will talk to you next time
2: love you